Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the man who designed Minnesota's I Voted sticker, an Eden Prairie man, is competing on a Norwegian TV reality show and new twin skipper, Rocco Baldelli. But first, this was a busy week in Minnesota politics, not only as you might expect because of the fast-approaching midterm elections, but also due to significant developments on the controversial polymet-proposed copper-nickel mine in northern Minnesota. MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a recap. Scott, it was another week of the candidates for Minnesota Attorney General trading shots as the election loomed. With both sides bringing in surrogates, Republican State Representative Nick Zerwas from Elk River warned if Democrat Keith Ellison becomes attorney general, he'll take over prosecution of cases where officers shoot suspects, something that law enforcement is worried about. We have 20 years of blatantly anti-law enforcement rhetoric from Congressman Ellison. Ellison responded the attorney general should be a partner in cases of officer-involved shootings, but he says he would let county attorneys take the lead. We have to have a fair process to manage all these officer-involved shootings. Fair to the officer, fair to the victims. That's what we've got to do. Meanwhile, Republicans warned Ellison as attorney general will push his own political agenda, demonstrated in an online video in which Ellison says... Quote, I do plan on doing some national litigation, Republican State Senator Warren Limmer. Completely inappropriate for Mr. Ellison, as a candidate for the Attorney General Office, to say whether he thinks a law is constitutional or not. That's up for a judge to decide. Ellison responded in the case of Roe v. Wade. If the Minnesota legislature says that they're going to take away some fundamental right that has been recognized in American law and in Minnesota law, I'm not going to be all right with that. Ellison says his Republican opponent, Doug Wardlow, pledged to be non-political, but has said he will get Republican staffers in the attorney general's office and would carry out the Trump agenda. Pro-choice advocates this week blasted Jeff Johnson after the Republican candidate for governor said he would sign a bill defunding Planned Parenthood if it reaches his desk. Jeff Johnson is is thoroughly out of touch with Minnesotans and the critical health care needs of the people of this state. Tim Stanley with Planned Parenthood. Johnson responded he's a strong supporter of women's health care. Let's continue to spend all of that money. If it's really about women's health care, I am all for that. But let's send it to places that um, don't essentially fund most of the abortions in the state. Democrats this week kicked off a statewide get-out-the-vote tour in the last days before the election. DFL Party Chair Ken Martin saying, It's easy to fall into a trap, this idea that there's a blue wave coming. And for some people, uh, they believe that we have all the momentum and the wind at our back. And while we're certainly seeing a lot of enthusiasm and the messages resonating at the doors, We need to run like we're 20 points behind, even if we're 20 points ahead. Republicans, including candidate for Governor Johnson, AG candidate Wardlow, and U.S. Senate candidate Karen Housley are also touring the state as the election draws ever closer, Johnson says. We're hitting, uh, I believe, 40 cities before we close it out next Tuesday. So it is all retail politics at this point and getting out in front of people. Let's switch gears from the political campaign to other political issues. The Minnesota DNR this week issued necessary permits so the controversial polymet copper nickel mine can move forward in northeast Minnesota. Commissioner Tom Landwehr says no project in the history of Minnesota has been more 
thoroughly evaluated. Yes, there will be environmental impacts. Uh, you dig a hole in the ground, you, you process that, or you stock, stockpile the, the tailings up, there will be environmental impacts. Um, our job is to ensure that those environmental impacts are within state standards and where required, they're, they're mitigated. In our permit, we have ensured that those uh, impacts do fall within state standards and that any uh, uh, impacts that need to be mitigated are mitigated. Joe Doberstein with the group Duluth for Clean Water warns the PolyMet project will create permanent toxic pollution in the headwaters of Lake Superior, putting communities and people's lives in constant danger, he says. They say that the permits meet Minnesota's stringent standards. Uh, we, we do not feel that those standards are are, are are strong enough to protect Minnesota from the nation's most toxic mining. Environmentalists also warn that PolyMet's intent is to have a much larger mining operation than the one the DNR issued permits for, essentially a bait-and-switch by the company, Doberstein says. The recent financial statement that PolyMet submitted tells us that the, the mine that was issued permits today will never be built. The The mine that they're going to build is going to be a mega mine, much larger than these facts that the DNR has been, has been studying over these last several months. DNR Commissioner Landwehr responds to that. We have been asked to uh, consider a, a specific project. That's what we've considered. That's what we've uh, uh, issued a permit for. Should the company at some point in the future uh, propose to uh, expand that, pro- that project, amend that project, uh, any substantive uh, project uh, change does require uh, that we would go through another environmental review and permitting process, not unlike what we have done uh, here in the last 14 years. So it is not a bait and switch. Landwehr says there are also financial assurances by the PolyMet developers. Financial assurance is intended to provide uh, immediate cash to the state should at any point during the project the company uh, fall out of compliance or walk away. So at some point at the peak of mining, uh, we will have a, a more than a billion dollars in financial assurance that the state can access again at any time without any court proceeding to uh, close, clean up, and do the long-term monitoring on that project. Backers say the PolyMet project will bring much-needed, high-paying jobs to northeast Minnesota. Doberstein with Duluth for Clean Water says about that. Yeah, we definitely need jobs, and the Iron Range needs jobs, jobs at any cost are not always good jobs. So absolutely, we need good jobs. Let's have that conversation. Let's figure out how we can create an economy that is sustainable and that provides good-paying, family-supporting wages for years and years to come, not just uh, with the boom-and-bust roller coaster of copper nickel mining. That's John Doberstein with Duluth for Clean Water. Scott, the PolyMet project still needs air and water quality permits from the State Pollution Control Agency, plus permits from the federal government and local permits. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. There's nothing more personal than your health care. So why do politicians keep wanting to get in the way? DFL politicians Tim Walls and Keith Ellison support health care policies that have caused families to lose their choices and costs to skyrocket. Now Tim Walls and Keith Ellison want to double down. They've proposed a complete government takeover of your health care. They claim it will lower costs, but the real cost is so expensive, other states that have tried the Walls-Ellison plan had to scrap it. The Walsh Ellison Healthcare Takeover starts by shifting the costs onto Minnesota families who will pay even higher premiums. 
Then the government controls which doctor you can see and when. And it all comes down to $17 billion in new tax increases. That's a $9,000 tax hike for the average Minnesota family. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Tell Tim Walls and Keith Ellison to drop their plan instead of yours. You can learn more at stateofgreatmn.org. Paid for by the Coalition of Minnesota Businesses. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. In 2018, Joe Mansky is in charge of elections for Ramsey County. But back in 1993, he was working for the statewide election chief, Secretary of State Joan Grow. That's when Mansky created a simple sticker that will once again be worn proudly by thousands of Minnesotans as they walk away from the polls next week. Reporter J.W. Cox has the story of Joe Mansky and the I Voted sticker. This is when I was working for the Secretary of State, and uh, at the time, Secretary Groh was at a National Secretary of State's meeting, and she came back and talked to me about another state that was doing these I Voted stickers, and and she told me, let's see if there's something that we could do uh, along the same lines. And I immediately thought to myself, this is the craziest sounding thing I've ever heard. I mean, who, who would want to walk around all day with one of these with one of these dumb stickers on them. But, you know, as a staff person, I do whatever uh, whatever my boss tells me. So we went ahead and designed a fairly simple sticker, basically a round circle with the words, I voted. I showed it to her. She thought it was okay. So we uh, we went ahead and, and started going down that road. Now, in order to, to do this legally, we actually had to get a law amended uh, because at the time our election judges were not legally permitted to give uh, the voters anything but the ballot. So we got a uh, we got a bill introduced and got the legislature to uh, to pass a law that we got the governor to sign that that allowed the judges to hand out these I voted stickers. So we go ahead and uh, and we uh, and we produce them and distribute them to all the counties. Uh, this is now September 1994, it's the day of the state primary. This is the first election at which we were using these stickers, and things were getting a little quiet toward the toward the middle of the day. So. I'm over at the state office building. I walk downtown, and I see people walking around with these I Voted stickers. And I was absolutely amazed by it. So I go back to the state office building, and I go right into my boss's office, and I told her, uh, Joan, you were right, and I was wrong. Obviously, back then you were surprised when you first saw them and and people putting on those stickers. Now it's become commonplace. How do you kind of describe the excitement that apparently comes with people being able to put that sticker on 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 Election Day? You know, I think... The average person is uh, is just really happy or proud about you know the participating in the electoral process. Now, if we don't have the I voted stickers there, people really complain about it. That's that's apparently uh, something of great value to them. That's what they want to carry away from it. And since we started going to the early voting, people voting several days or several weeks prior to Election Day, we had some requests last year for buttons, you know, that would last longer. They wanted to wear them for a while. So starting this year, we, we started to produce uh, buttons that look the same and say, I voted, and, and we're handing those out uh, this year as well. I mean, you know what's going on in the news today. The elections are becoming extremely important, and I think people want to demonstrate publicly that, uh, yes, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the electorate, and uh, they want other people to know that. 
Have you seen it impact the opposite way as well, whether it was in the early days or your current role, uh, obviously in and around elections? If someone doesn't have the I Voted sticker, do they kind of feel like they're missing out and maybe spur them towards going to the polls when maybe they wouldn't have before? Well, you know, the, I think that's the idea behind all of this is that if, uh, if you're walking around on Election Day or now, you know, on the days before, and you see people wearing either the sticker or the button, and you hadn't been planning on voting, uh, just seeing that, seeing a number of people wearing them might get you to think, well, you know, what do they know that I don't know? Uh, or is this, you know, is this an election worth worth voting in that maybe I had not considered before? And if, you know, if that's the case, that then I think it's great. You mentioned it is a simple design and has stayed just about the same. Uh, Georgia has a peach shape, things like that. Why the simplistic approach when this was designed originally? I didn't take this real seriously. And so I didn't want to put a lot of uh, a lot of effort into it. But on the other hand, I, w- I wanted to comply with my boss's directives. I thought, well, let's, let's, it, we may do this once, and it will never happen again. And if that's the case, then I don't want to invest a whole lot of time and effort into it. And uh, the consequence is that that fairly simple design that you see today. And obviously, it's been kept alive to this point, and, and kind of as as the the godfather of this sticker, is it absolutely necessary in your mind that this is something that that is kept alive? And how proud are you of being at the beginning of this when it comes to Minnesota? Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to take credit for this. I guess I'm I, I admit to it a little sheepishly because, to be quite honest with you, I was not I was not a big believer uh, in this in the beginning, and so I guess it would be hypocritical of me to. To, to, to take another position, but you know, I guess I'm used to it now. And frankly, if the if the voters want it, and clearly they do, then I'm all in favor of it. Mansky says, despite the fact his basic design has stood the test of time, he'd have no problem if someone updated the sticker to a more stylized or artistic version. Thank you for that report, JW. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. 23-year-old Chase Monger from Eden Prairie is one of several Minnesotans competing in the current season of a Norwegian TV reality show. I recently chatted with Chase about this incredibly unique experience. Altman Norge is a Norwegian reality TV show that uh, it's framed to be a feel-good show. Norwegians watch the show and see 12 Americans who have Norwegian ancestry come over and compete for a chance to meet their relatives that still live in Norway. In the process of doing so, you learn about Norwegian culture, you learn about your ancestry, uh, hopefully, if you're lucky. And I came to know about the show, honestly, one morning last year when they had the Mall of America had open auditions, and I got a phone call from my mom, and she said, you got to go apply for this because... You're a Norwegian-American. I, I figured I don't know anyone who's applied for a TV show, let alone one that's outside of the country. Plus, it's a, there's a vacation for you right there if you get, if you get to go. So <laughs> that's how I came to know about it, honestly. I remember walking through the Mall of America, actually, with my mom, and we're reading the prompt, you know, okay? So they might ask you, why are you passionate about being Norwegian? I was like, I mean, my, my dad is. <laughs> I'm... I just know that I am. I grew up having Lesta at Thanksgiving. Does that count? Um, you know, I, I really like Lesta, and I really dislike Ludafisk, so that might be anti-Norwegian. But, yeah, that's how I came to know about it. 
And talk a little bit about the show itself. What kinds of things are you doing on the show? I would personally say that it's, you can think of it as competition mixed with experience. So oftentimes you, you get to travel around Norway all over the country and you never know where you're going next really generally you know what's happening maybe eight hours in advance and even then it's like okay you have to get up tomorrow at this time and we're going to the airport i don't know where we're going right the competitions can range honestly from anything from a scavenger hunt to uh the one that was most recently aired was we were in a town that was known for taking things really slowly so they ended up timing one of the locals doing three different random, I guess, Norwegian activities. And then we didn't have, you know, watches or phones or any way of timing ourselves, but we had to try and match his time as best as we could. And then the person who was furthest away was eliminated. So a lot of these things are, I I always thought that competitions were like dumb luck, right? If you just happened to have be good at keeping time in your head or another competition we had was kind of olympics themed so we got to meet this very decorated i don't know four-time olympic gold medalist something like that uh, in downhill skiing uh, norwegian of course and so then that competition had to do with you know winning gold medals in random team events and individual events. So, like, I had to dig a hole in the sand just with my hands. That was literally my part. Someone else, we had to walk on team skis throughout this whole competition as well. Someone else had to endure pain and get, like, shocked by, well, there's, like, a battery hooked up to this, I don't know, just like a copper pipe that was in a design, and she had to pull off the the, the metal that was on it, she had to pull that all the way off of it and get shocked in the process. We tried a ton of weird food. That was one thing we did. I tried sea urchin, uh, sheep head. Oh, there's another one I can't say yet. Um, How do those taste? <laughs> honestly, it. some of them were really good. Some of them were kind of, eh. For, <laughs> so the sheep head, small hova, that's, Actually, in the first episode of this season, we we got to try that, and it was honestly really good. I just don't like to get my hands like messy when I eat things, so that was the tough part. Is like you have to reach through the jaw and like pop out the eyeball if you want to eat that. Which of course you got to try everything. You're you're over there for this experience. Um, but those were really good. I'm curious. Are you a celebrity now in Norway? I, the way I, I, a lot of people kind of ask me about that, and the way I view it is, Norway's a country of you know, five million people or so, so that would be kind of the equivalent of you know being on TV for just Minnesota, right? It's not like uh, reality TV stars in uh, the U.S. where they're drawing from a potential viewer base of 230 million, but yeah, I mean certainly a ton of people have followed my Instagram account and whatnot. And if, if I were to walk the streets in Norway, it's very, very likely I would be noticed and uh, people would come up and want, want to say hi, take their pictures. I actually know some former contestants who just went back to Norway recently, and that's what they, they said. It was like, it was just a weird and fun experience because they did go, you know, they're going around cities wherever, Bergen and 
and random people on the streets are recognizing them and wanting to take their picture. So, it, yeah, you're definitely a, somewhat of a celebrity. And can you tell me, did you win this season? I can't tell you if I won or not. I'm I'm still in the running. And uh, so far, nine episodes have aired out of 12. And uh, so if anyone wants to watch, they certainly should catch up and watch these final few. They're going to be really good. Very good, Chase. And for our listeners throughout the state who want to watch, where can they see the show? The show can actually be viewed for free on dplay.no. Just search through the programs and find Alternorga. Thanks again to my guest, Chase Monger. Again, you can watch the show and see if Chase won at dplay.no. Minnesota Matters returns after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Twins named 37-year-old Rocco Baldelli as their new manager last week. He's a young up-and-comer in the baseball world. At one time, he was a top player prospect in the Tampa Bay Rays organization before injuries cut his playing days short. He then took roles within the team's front office and eventually became a bench coach for the Rays. So at 37 years old, he has a relatively large amount of executive and leadership experience. He has big shoes to fill, taking over for hometown hero and baseball Hall of Famer Paul Molitor, who was fired at the end of the season. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm tells us more about the new Twins bench boss, Rocco Baldelli. Scott, when Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey chose to fire Molitor at the end of the year, here's what he said about the decision in early October. When we made this decision, I can tell you this wasn't just about wins and losses. You know, right now at this moment, it was about where our club is for the for the present and the future. Um, and I, I've said that to Paul this morning. I'll, I'll say it again. This wasn't about our record this year. This is about what we think is best as we continue to grow a young team in the direction toward being uh, a championship contender. And now that Falvey has made the hire of Baldelli, he says of his new manager. I think when we set out to find the partner and manager that we were looking for, we talked a lot about finding a partner who had who shared a vision, who looked at things uh, ultimately in a way that uh, would push us forward and continue to grow us, but also embodied everything that was about the Twins tradition, everything about this organization, the character, uh, the integrity, the values of this organi- organization, and everything that that represents. And I will tell you that when we set out on this, that was our hope. That was our desire. I don't think I could have envisioned a scenario where we could have found a better partner than Rocco Baldelli to be the next manager of the Minnesota Twins. He's a special person. You, Everyone in this room will get to know that over time. 
He's someone who is focused on growth, development, open-mindedness, and communication. He's somebody who we believe will be a big, a big member of helping us build sustainable championship caliber baseball here in the Twin Cities. Baldelli says he's quite happy to be with the Twins organization with a chance to manage the team. First and foremost, it was the feel that I got just from the, the conversations that I had when I came up here. It's, it's the people involved. It's, it was, I got the opportunity to meet the Polad family, Jim and Joe. Just as much as I sat there and did answer some questions and respond to questions, I also heard a lot about what the organization and the community stand for up here, and, and it gave me just a tremendous feeling when I left. I'd say that's the main reason why I was so excited about it. Baldelli says he's a mix of an old school and new school baseball guy. He does like advanced metrics and will use them, but also says there are things you can see with your eyes and feel with your gut. I actually do believe that when you take the a lot of traditional aspects of the game and, and teaching methods and things like that, and just general good baseball knowledge, and you combine it with some good information and good people to, to convey that information, that's when things can really work out well. Baldelli says he hopes to earn the trust of his players in a quick amount of time, but he also says that's not an easy task for a baseball manager. I think you talk to them. Hopefully talk to them this offseason, and then you get to know them a little bit, and then you get to know them a little more, and then you show up to spring training, and you take, a, you take an interest in them, not just in their baseball careers, but get to know them. I mean, I like, to get, I like, I like getting to know people, and I appreciate the people that I work with, not just for the, for the players that they are and what they do out on the field. Um, I like to know what makes these guys tick and, and really how to get the most out of them on the field and, and off. That's really the answer. I mean, it takes time. It, it does not just happen overnight. Someone who I don't know or have never met, why would they have an exceptional amount of trust in me, except for Derek and Thad hiring me, I guess? Baldelli says his first order of business will be to assemble a high-quality coaching staff. As I sit here right now, this is one of the most important, if not the most important, initial topics for, I think, all of us to spend time on. I believe, as I said earlier, the construction of a staff is is essential to a major league baseball team having success and creating environment and getting where we want to be. And, and again, uh, I'm sure this is something that is going to take a lot of time and energy. And I, I, that's where, this is where I want to put my energy right now into exactly your question. Baldelli is a contemporary of twin star, Joe Maurer, who may have played his final game as a twin. Maurer's big contract expired at the end of last season. Baldelli says of Maurer, I've known Joe from the other side of the field for a while. He's about as respected of an individual in this game as I know of. He is beyond a wonderful representative of the Twins. He is the Twins in a lot of ways. I think a lot of people relate to him in a lot of ways. They love him in this area. I was able to get on the phone with him briefly um, earlier today. If Joe Maurer, you know, I don't know what Joe's thinking about his, you know, own personal situation, and it now is, is probably not the best time to address any of that because that's his decision um, going forward, but I think saying that Joe Maurer, um, I think everyone would love Joe Maurer to be a part of the Twins organization going forward in some way. I think that's a very safe, is that a safe assumption? I agree. I totally agree. That's Twins manager Rocco Baldelli on Minnesota Matters. Scott, back to you. Thank you for that report, Mike. And just think, pitchers and catchers report to spring training in Fort Myers in three and a half short months. 
That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.